We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Bardwell. To hear more, please use our media player at PCAChurch.com and join us every Sunday at 1030 at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City. Now join us for the following message. Because I believe that from now till Easter, we're going to have a phenomenal continuing move of God. God has been doing some great things. Before I get into the message again, I got one more thing. I got a testimony. We've been talking about the God challenge. So I, I, I told, if you have a testimony, share it. I already had a testimony. We have a couple in the church that was, uh, was going through a hard time. They tithed and they were walking in the parking lot and the wind was blowing like it does in Oklahoma. And all of a sudden the wind blew a hundred dollar bill under their foot. Nobody is around anywhere. It's not Walmart parking or anything. It's another, and nobody is around anywhere. They're looking around to see whose is this. Did somebody drop it? There's nobody. Nobody anywhere. And they picked it up. And they go, God, is this from you? How many know that God works in mysterious ways? He can cause the wind of Oklahoma to blow you a $100 bill. Blow, let it blow. <laughs> But then the way God is, they had been faithful in their tithe and they were in a bind and that $100 was more than what they needed. More than what, God is a more than God. He doesn't just meet the minimum requirements. He goes above and beyond. He's a more than God. All right, I'm ready for my message. The title of my message today, I'm starting a new series. It's entitled Cross Words. How many know that words are important? The Bible says that life and death are in our is in our tongue, it's in our words that we say. So words become very important. I wonder today, if you knew, if you knew that today was your last day on this earth, who would you talk to and what would you say? Because I believe if all of us knew that this is our last day, I believe that we would get those people real close to us to try to get around us, we would then begin to say, hey, listen, and look them right in the eye. Hey, listen, I want you to know something. And we begin to share what we really want them to know, what we would really want them to have left in their life from our life. Tell them things like, I love you. I want you to know that. Last words carry a lot of significance. Not everybody is going to have that opportunity to have last words. So we should live every day as if it's our last, right? The Bible says that we're like a vapor that's here, that it's gone. We're like a rose that's there, that it fades. We're like grass that withers. Our life is not very long here on this earth. I want to live every day as if it's my last. I try to tell my wife every day that I love her probably 10 to 15 times a day. I want her to know that. I want my kids and my grandkids, they can say one thing about Poppy. Poppy loved us. Poppy loved us. He may not have been this or that or the other, but he loved us. Last words are very important. And when Jesus was on the cross, he had some words to say. He knew this was his last day on this earth. He knew that he needed to say something of significance. And last words are very significant. 
So I begin to think about this day. When you understand the word of God and you begin to read it from beginning to end, you understand that God says from the beginning of time, I planned to redeem mankind. I had a plan in place. God is getting ready. God, God is so excited about this day. He's been waiting for thousands of years. He's got it planned out. Every detail is there. I want you to get there with me. Everything that happened is happening for a reason. And God is getting ready. He's like, this is the most exciting day. Because from this day forward, no more animal sacrifices. This is going to be awesome. From this day forward, there'll be no more separation between God and man. In just a few minutes, I'm about to take that veil, grab it with my hands, and rip it from top to bottom. God is excited. No longer will they have to wait a year and just the priest come in and talk to me, but anybody at any time can come right into my presence and talk to me. I will be their God and they will be their, uh, my people and I will dwell in them. No longer in a tabernacle, no longer in a temple. I will dwell in my people. God is excited. And God has orchestrated everything that is going to happen. He's got it in place. And Jesus spoke these words. He said, I don't say anything that my father doesn't tell me to say. So every word that I say, the father is telling me to say it. So you got the scene? You got the scene? Here we go. Jesus has been arrested. He's been beaten with 40 lashes. He's been ridiculed. He's been mocked. They put a crown of thorns upon his head, threw a purple robe over his back, calling him the king of the Jews. All of that is going on. He gets led through the streets and people are, are mocking him and throwing things at him and, and he falls down. And he gets a lot of PR, which he should. They get to the hill, it's called the skull, Golgotha. It's outside the city because in the Old Testament they had to make the sacrifices for the atonement of sin outside of the city so as not to defile the city. So Jesus, this pastoral lamb without spot, wrinkle, or blemish, without anything to be guilty of, is being driven outside the city to be crucified. Be crucified. They began to hammer the nails in but then we realize, wait a minute, we've overlooked something. It wasn't just Jesus. There were two others who were also marched through the same streets, who were also mocked at and ridiculed and beaten. There were two other men who don't get much publicity because all it says is, and there were two other men. Two other men. And Jesus is on that cross and some of his first cross words are, Father, forgive them. Forgive them? Forgive who? Well, forgive the soldiers. They don't know what they're doing. Forgive the people who are gathered around the cross on the skull there on the hill called Golgotha. Forgive the Pharisees and the Sadducees Forgive my disciples who have scattered who knows where. Forgive all the religious leaders. Forgive Pilate. Forgive those who are not even here today for not being here. And oh, by the way, 
forgive you and forgive me because we don't know what we're doing. Forgive. 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 Isn't that a hard thing for us to do? We say, well, I forgive, but I don't forget. How many know that when Jesus forgives us, he forgets it? He says he cast it as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered again. So in his last words, God is orchestrating this thing and God thinks it's so important that one of the first words off the cross, his cross words are this, forgive. This is so important to you and me today. God would speak to us and to say, this is so important, you've got to learn how to forgive. Because if you don't forgive, then I cannot forgive you. His prayer even says this, in the same way that we forgive others, Father, forgive me. You see, I talked about it on the day of that tithing message. It's the indicative imperative motif that God only responds to what we do. In order to come to Christ, we gotta say, Father, forgive me. And then he forgives us and forgets. Indicative imperative, he responds so in order for us to be forgiven, we've got to forgive and forget those who've done us wrong. Now, how many of you know that you can have cross words with people? You ever gotten cross words with people? I've seen it to where just one word, unforgiven, one word, unforgiven, can become a wedge between friendships, become a wedge in relationships, and that one word that becomes unforgiven, it, it begins to grow and grow and grow until friendships are destroyed. Relationships are destroyed. And we go, but I forgive, I want to be forgiven. But did you forget? Can you see them and hug them and smile them? Because, hey, I was told as a kid, pray for your enemies. That's what the Bible says. I was at first praying a real prayer. Oh, God, get them, God. I tell you what, you know, just destroy, destroy. And God's like, that's not what I meant to pray. But I was praying with zealous, man. I was, I was going all in. I was getting loud and spitting, you know. And um, God says, that's not what I'm talking about. That's not the way to pray. I want you to forgive. Jesus gets a lot of attention, which he should. But he's also talking to two guys on his left and his right, Criminals criminals. These men are given the designation of thieves. When you study this, you'll realize that the way they're talking to each other, they probably know each other. They were probably partners in crime. They've probably not only stolen things, they may have even been murderers. Because when you study this, you realize, hey, these guys are having a conversation that, that has a conversation between people who know each other. They understand where they are and why they're there. But there is one who is on the right and there is one who is on the left and who's in the middle? Jesus. Jesus is always in the middle. Why did God do this? Why wasn't Jesus crucified by himself? Why were there two 
criminals. Why not 10? Why not 20? Why just two? Because God wants us to get it. There was a reason for three. Maybe the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit represented. I don't know. Maybe it was because he wants us to understand that we cannot be in the middle. We are either on the right side with Jesus or we are on the wrong side with Jesus. We cannot be in the middle because the middle is reserved for Jesus. You see, God always has it this way. He's an either or God. It's either truth or lie. It's black and it's white. No gray areas in the word. You're either for or against. You see, God's an either or. Why? Because he's the one in the middle, not us. And today I think we hear a lot of messages that are just in the middle messages. We don't hear, you better take a choice and make a choice as to what you're going to do because we want to be in the middle. Well, I want to be politically correct. I want to be biblically correct. And the middle is reserved for Jesus. You're either on the broad way or the narrow way. You're either saved or you're a sinner. And Joshua challenged the nation. He said, choose you this day whom you will serve. Choose, are you going to be on the right or are you going to be on the left? Are you going to be right or wrong? Because Jesus is in the middle. He is our mediator, right? He is the one who right now is praying for every one of you. He's praying for me. He's praying for you. Stay awake, stay awake, stay awake. Don't miss this part of the message. He's praying for you. Listen to what the preacher's saying. And then he's praying for me. Come on, preacher, preach it, preach it, preach it. Tell the truth, because the truth will set people free. He's praying for me right now. He's praying for you. We are having a divine appointment with God. God does not just let things happen. God is orchestrating this whole scene so that we get it. The middle is for Jesus. We're either right or we're wrong. He will either know us or he will say, I never knew you. Wow. This was a bad day. But how many know that even in bad days, God is still in control? Oh, I need a little louder. Wake up here. In bad days, God is still in control. Amen? I mean, we love it when we're on the mountaintops and, and God's giving us all the blessings. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm telling you, when you go through the hardships, God is still in control. You may not understand why you're going through what you're going through. You may not like it, but God is going to cause all these things to turn about for good. God is going to take this bad day and make it the best day ever. God is going to take this bad day and make it your greatest day ever because God is in control. God is in control. You're either right or wrong. Isaiah 53, 12 says this, Therefore I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out of his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressions. You see, Jesus was numbered with the thieves and the criminals for us. For he bore the sin of many, all of you and me. And he made intercession 
for the transgressors. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad for that today? We're not having to fight this battle alone. God is fighting with you. God is fighting for you. He wants you to win this thing. He wants you to be more than a conqueror. Luke 23, verses 32 through 43. Look at this. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals. See, they get kind of not a whole lot of attention. One of them is on his right, one of them is on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others, let him save himself. If he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. Wow. How many know that everybody has cross words to say? When it's going bad for you, you ever had somebody give you cross words in those moments? Jesus was getting it from everybody. All the religious leaders were sneering at him, mocking him, laughing at him. Everybody around the cross, everybody in town, everybody within here, everybody's got cross words to say to Jesus. Well, I thought you were the Messiah. Have you ever been in a bad place, had a bad day, and your friends have cross words to say to you? People have cross words to say about you. I have learned this. I have learned that friends don't need an explanation. If they're your true friends, you don't need to explain anything to them. And enemies won't believe an explanation even if you give it to them. I've learned this through the years. Your true friends don't need an explanation and your enemies won't believe an explanation. So Jesus was in a no-win situation here, right? According to them. They're laughing, they're mocking. Look at it, verses 36 through 39. The soldiers also came up. Now the soldiers are mocking him. Everybody jumps on the bandwagon when it's going bad for you, right? They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was even a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung, now even the criminals are getting in on it. One of them who was hanging there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. I mean the signs screaming out. The criminal on the left is screaming out. The religious leaders, the soldiers, everybody, they're casting lots for his clothing. This is not going well. Save yourself if you're the Messiah. Save yourself. Save yourself. How many of you know that a lot of times we're all about ourselves? They were, they were, they were screaming from there. Save yourself. If you, save others. And then the criminal even says, hey, if you're... Are you the Messiah or not? It says there on the side, come on, dude, do something. And aren't we still hearing that today when we go through bad days? God, are you real? God, where are you? Hey, if you're a loving God, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to my friends? Why is this happening to my kids, my, my mom and dad, my grandparents? Why? God, aren't you a God that, that can help us? God, do something. Down through the ages, we're still asking the same questions. And God wants us to know there's an answer. How many know that sometimes God is doing something bigger than what we know about and what we can see? God was not there to save the self. 
God was there to save the soul. He was not there for a momentary affliction or momentary torture, but he was there playing this thing thousands of years ahead of time. This is a great day. You just don't know it. You don't see it. But sir, if you watch your words that you are saying on the cross, you've got an opportunity today to be with him in paradise. You just don't understand what I'm doing. I got a feeling today, a lot of us still don't understand. We don't see the God picture. We don't see what God sees, and we go into situations that are bad days and we think this is out of control this is not working well and God goes I'm not here for yourself I am here for your soul this is going to help your soul it may not be good for yourself but we're living in a very me centered generation aren't we a very self centered generation look at Luke 23 40 through 42 but the other criminal rebuked him Don't you fear God? Mm. Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then Jesus said, remember me. Jesus said, remember me when you come into his... And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Wow. Here's a question I ask all of us. Don't you fear God? Look at Luke 12, 4 through 6. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid. In other words, have fear of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after your body has been killed has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. When's the last time you heard a message on the fear of God? We need to fear God. I was taught as a kid to fear God. How many remember? How many of you ever kid had those messages about the rapture, and then one day you thought you had been left? Oh, I came home one day off the school bus, and I went in the house, and Mom had a big old pot on the stove that was boiling. She wasn't there. There was things on the table. She wasn't there. I looked through the house. She's gone. I went outside. I went to the backyard. Mom! 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 Nobody's there. The first thought of my mind was a revelation. God, the rapture has happened and I've been left. Anybody? Yeah. You heard the same kind of messages I heard. I wonder if our children today, if that's their first thoughts. I remember waking up in the back seat of a car. We'd been coming from a revival. My dad was preaching. And I looked up out the window and the moon was orange red colored. Remember that when Revelation said the moon's going to turn to blood? I thought it was happening that moment. I thought, oh my God, please Lord, God forgive me if any sin I've got my... Because in those days, man, they taught you that if you had one bad thought and God came at that moment, boom, you miss it. I was like, oh God, if there's anything wrong in my heart, God, please forgive me. God, I want to go. Please don't leave me. I feared being left. Now, a fear that we're talking about here, I'm not scared of God, but I have an awareness all the time that God is watching everything I do. I have an awareness all the time that every word of my mouth I am going to be held accountable for when I stand before God. 
I'm aware that everything I think and I dwell upon, I'm going to be held accountable for this. I'm aware of that. That's what a fear of God is. I'm aware. So you know what that awareness does? Keeps me from doing things I should not do. Keeps me from thinking things I should not think. And keeps me from trouble that I should not be in. This week I was watching a sportscaster thing and they were talking about this player and, and all this kind of... Anyway, long story short, the, the football owner of the team said, well, he's our quarterback right now. How many of you men would look at your wife and go, well, she's my wife right now? <laughs> I don't think that would go over well kind of leaves the door open that if something better comes along, we may take that up. Do you know why I have this ring on my left hand on my third finger? Because it reminds me that I made a covenant relationship with my wife before God. So you know what that keeps me from saying? Well, I'm going to do what I want to do with who I want to do it and when I want to do it, however much I want to do it. I can't say that because of that. I can't act it out because of that. Because I'm married. I have a relationship with my wife that I've got to make sure I honor. That keeps me from doing stupid stuff. I don't call up other women and go, hey, you want to go out to dinner and then go dancing, go to a party? I don't know. Let's go. I don't do that. Why? Because I'm married. And I want to stay married. But don't we do that with God? We have a covenant relationship with God. We said, God, forgive me of my sins. And he makes us a son and a daughter. We have a relationship. He's my father. And so then, if we're not careful, we'll go out and, and we will be unfaithful to other gods. We'll be unfaithful in our relationship with other words and deeds. And God's going, wait a minute. I have your heart, don't I? He says, if you love me, do what? Keep my commandments, if you love me. I love Sandy, so I make sure I stay married by not doing a bunch of things. But we have this mentality in Christianity today that says, we just want to do what we want to do and live how we want to live, and God just needs to be okay with that. Hey, where's the fear of God? Where's the fear of God? I have a fear of Sandy. She's already told me, you will never get a divorce. I can get forgiven for murder. So anything happens, you're my witnesses. But she's also said, everybody will agree, you deserved it. So I'm not going to get much sympathy. But this right here stops me. Because I have relationship. I have a fear of losing my wife. I have a fear of losing what in reputation I have with my children and, and, and causing them to be disappointed in me. I have a fear of losing the church and you being embarrassed and disappointed of me. I have a fear of standing before God and God say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you because you're either right with God or you're not. And here's what the word says. There will be those who stand before God and say, but I've preached in your name. I've healed in your name. And he still looks at them and goes, I don't know you. 
You didn't ask me to forgive you and to wash you white as snow. You never entered into relationship, or if you did, you left the relationship. God never leaves a relationship. We have to leave it. We've got to choose. The psalmist said that if I go to the heights, God is there. If I go to the depths, God is there. You cannot get away from God. And I've got to tell you, our world is out of control. You know why? No fear of God. No fear of God. Crime is on the uprising. Drug addictions are on the uprising. All these things that are destroying society on the uprising. He is the prince of the power of air. We have the most destructive forces ever known to mankind today with all the technology that we have, access that we It's destroying people by the millions. And today our pulpits are filled with messages of grace. I love grace. Thank God for grace. Mercy. Thank God for mercy. Amen. It's what you don't deserve. You get it. I didn't deserve it. And love. And all of these are wonderful traits of God. I love mercy. I love grace. I love love. But where's the balance to where we better fear this all-powerful, all-judging God who not only can destroy your body, but he can send your soul to hell? Where's the fear? You see, I have a, a high regard for my father. I put that, I hope, I put some of that fear in my kids. You wanted your kids to fear you? Absolutely. I'm not going to do this because if dad finds out, dad will kill me. I wanted them to think that. Would I ever kill them? No. I may make them wish they were dead. But I love them. My goal was to protect them from the evils. They didn't see the big picture. All they saw at the moment was, Dad won't let me go. Dad won't do this. Dad's this and Dad's that. And I'm going, you don't understand the big picture. And on the cross, we didn't get the big picture, but God's saying it to us today. There's a right side, there's a wrong side. Which side are you on? It's either or. You're either for me or against me. You're either going to heaven, you're going to hell. Matthew 10, 28 says, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Romans 3, 15 through 18 says, Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. And the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Wow. What a sad, sad thing to say. No fear of God. Luke 23, 43 says, Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. You see, both of these criminals had the same chance. God wants us to see that. He's in the middle, the mediator. He's interceding, he's praying. Everybody has the same chance. But one of them said, remember me. And I love what he said. Jesus said, every word is so important. Truly. The truth is telling us the truth. Truly. When? Today. Sir, you have no idea, idea what's in store for you, but today you will be with me in paradise. Today. That messes up a lot of theology, doesn't it? Not three days of purgatory. Not three days of delay. 
Not, not even today. God is a God of now and today. I am the great I am. And Jesus said, you're going to be with me today. Jesus already knows what's in store for this guy. He's like, later today, dude, you're going to be walking on streets of gold. Later today, they're going to shout out your name when you enter the gates, the pearl gates of heaven. They're going to shout your name out. You're not going to be a thief. You're not going to be a criminal. You're not going to, you don't even deserve what I'm giving you, just like I don't deserve what's happening to me. But I'm going to give you life and give you life in abundance. You don't have long to live, but the very first convert in heaven was a criminal. The very first person to make it into heaven because of the death of Jesus Christ was a thief. And today we look around and go, well, I don't, I don't know if God loves me. I've done a lot of bad stuff. God's fixing to make you have a good day. Because he died for all our sins. He died for anything you could possibly do and more. And he will say this, I forgive you. And I wash you white as snow. And I will cast it as far as the east is from the west. And I will never remember it again. Wow. Because one guy feared the future. One guy was hurling insults at his future. One guy was hearing cross words and even giving cross words to Jesus and another guy was hearing the words from the cross. Today you're either hearing my words or you're hearing God's words. What is God speaking to your heart today? I hope you're not just having cross words with God because I'm going to tell you you're not going to win that argument. Both of these criminals were in excruciating pain one gets it right today. It's never too late. Now, I've heard a lot of people through the years go, well, pastor, I'm just going to wait and have a deathbed confession. I've had a lot of people tell me that. Mostly men. Mostly men will sit in their recliners in their living rooms. They're going to go, well, I'll tell you what, preacher, just before I die, I'm going to get it all right with God. I said, well, I hope you have the opportunity because not everybody knows in enough time. And I said, are you willing to risk an eternity for just whatever time we have left here? Let's say you have 100 years left here. Is 100 years worth an eternity? And besides, the life that you get is more abundant than the life you're living. So I don't understand the trade-off. You're going to have a much better life if you give your life to Christ than without Him. But you know what the world does, the enemy does, clouds your mind all up with all these silly things, you know. Well, uh, I can't do this and I can't do that. But look at all the things you get to do. And then whenever you're in trouble, you've got somebody to call upon. Because I'll tell you what, trouble happens to everybody. It's going to happen to all of us. Today, if this was your last day on earth, who would you talk to and what would you say? What would be your cross words? I don't have much time left. What I'm saying is the most important thing I could ever leave with you. Isn't it amazing that all of this was recorded? Think about it. The Bible tells us there were so many things that Jesus did that did not get recorded. 
And yet God made sure that everything that he said on the cross was written down. For them and for us. God never changes. You cannot be too far away, have committed too many sins. It is never too late. But I don't want you to take a chance on a deathbed confession. Because I tell you what, I've been in a car accident and I never saw it coming. I've been laying in my bed in the middle of the night and all of a sudden go into convulsions. I couldn't speak. Bouncing off the bed. My wife thinks I'm dying. I think I'm dying, but I cannot talk. They take me to the hospital. They got her over there in the corner, five doctors around her. She's crying like crazy. I'm laying there on the bed, literally bouncing off the bed. My, my blood pressure was 240 over 190. I was bouncing off the bed. I, I'm like, this is it, I'm done. I didn't have a way to talk. Maybe there's a stroke. You're going, Pastor, you sure are dramatic today. There's nothing more dramatic than the cross. There's nothing more dramatic than a man who died for all our sins for all of time, who ripped the veil from top to bottom and says, you can come in my presence and I will dwell in you and you will dwell in me. Nothing more dramatic than that. And he's here. Because I can tell you, cross words can get you cross ways. One hurling insults. Can you imagine what happened to him later that day? I, I can't even want, I don't even want to think about it. Because that place was built for the angels who set up an uprising against God. That's what it was created for. Not for you, not for me. God loves us. Yes, God wants everybody to go to heaven. But guess whose choice it is? It is not God's choice. It's our choice. You may be having a bad day with sickness and disease, but guess what? God didn't do that to you. We got to get this right. Get mad at the devil for sickness and disease. Don't get mad at God. God's trying to give a remedy. He got stripes on his back to try to fix this thing. But the enemy, because he caused Adam and Eve to sin, that's who you should be mad and angry at because of sickness and death. Don't get mad at God. I've seen people run away from God in the hard times and go, well, if there's a God, if God really cares, if God really loves me, come on, if you're guilty of saying that, I'm just trying to tell you, it's not God doing it, it's the enemy, and the enemy's lying to you. Because every word out of his mouth is a lie. You're, you're getting crosswords with God. And I've, I've seen people have crosswords with God and they get crossways with God. I would not want to be crossways with God. I fear God. I want to do what's right in God's eyes. Fear always precedes faith. I was afeared of God before I asked God to forgive me. Because I was afraid I wouldn't go into heaven. I was afraid he'd look at me and say, I'm casting your soul into hell. I wanted God to forgive me of all my sins. I had an awareness of the presence of God. An awareness that he's watching, listening, and he knows the motive that I have. And when I stand before God, I'm going to be held accountable just like you. And as a pastor, guess what else I'm going to be held accountable for? 
telling you truth. I preach the whole word. Not just the middle of the road messages. But I preach the truth. I preach grace. I preach mercy. I preach love. But I also preach the fear of God. And I also preach that he will forgive us of all our sins. Stand with me today. What kind of words are you having with God today? Maybe you're in a bad situation. Maybe you're having a bad day. And maybe, if you've not said it out loud, you've been thinking it. God, where are you? Don't you care? Oh, he cares. He cares so much for you. And this is proof. The cross. We need nothing more than that for proof. Nothing more. Message. Join us anytime at PCAChurch.com and every Sunday at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City.